welcome back to the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. The hope of this podcast is to cultivate leadership which is fueled and formed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Riley Spring and I'm here with Dave Taylor. We're two pastors in Sydney, Australia, different churches, seeking to serve our Lord Jesus Christ and his beautiful bride, the church. Uh, the hope of today is to continue off our series, which we've been looking at, Seven Characteristics of a Gospel-Centered Leader. Seven Characteristics of a Gospel-Centered Leader. We said uh, that character is the, fu- <laughs> the, the, the foundational characteristic of a leader. We ought not to look first to skill or competencies. Um, those things are very important. But the Bible begins with character. If you read Paul's list in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1, it's, it's character uh, that comes first in the role of leaders within the church. So far, we've looked at the idea of humility um, being such a foundational um, character trait of a gospel-centered leader. Then we looked at godliness, that you know our sin is what saves us, but uh, uh, well, our sin is what saves us. <laughs> That's humbling. That's humbling. Our sin is what causes yeah, our need for salvation. Uh, but we're not meant to stay in our sin. We're not meant to just be, oh, I'm a humble, I'm a sinner. We're actually meant to grow and be holy as well uh, because yes. of what Christ has done. Today, we're going to look at the third characteristic, and that is joy. Mm. Joy being one of the seven characteristics of a gospel-centered leader. And that might be something that you're like, oh, how does that fit in or why, why joy? Um, and it depends on your background, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Dave and I, we're both reformed and charismatic. Reformed churches typically have a, you know, a, um, a perspective, don't they, of being uh, maybe not the most joyful. Chosen, frozen. Chosen, frozen. Big yes. on truth, light yes. on emotions even wary of emotions right yeah yeah um scared to manipulate scared that it would just be like emotionalism yeah yeah bubbles in soft drinks so to speak Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the other half of our background is charismatic and that's all about the the vibes the feelings the you know you get the 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 keyboard playing the smoke machine on yeah. and that's definitely the Holy Spirit that, mm. and everyone's clapping and cheering. Uh, and when you hear that synth and the lights come, that's when you that's, know that's he's, what he's, he's here. His presence, <laughs> presence has arrived. Um, but th- that's not joy either. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we're trying to look at what is a gospel rooted joy. You know, if we're going to be church leaders and one of the you know fruits of the spirit is joy. Uh, and so that ought to characterize who we are. And when you look at the gospel, uh, that's where you see the key to joy. Uh, so that was our little by way of introduction. Yeah. Uh, but for you, Dave, you know, how is, what, what's been your experience of joy in the local church and as a, as a leader, as a church leader? Yeah, well, I grew up in a, in a community church that was, was pretty Pentecostal, really. And so it was very joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, but possibly maybe the end that you're talking about where it was, it was very joyful. The joy was in the Lord, yes. Possibly not always gospel driven necessarily. There was lots of things to be happy about, but grateful. Um, and then haven't experienced so much the other side, but but would have thought as more the other side of him singing boredom. You right. know, no sense of the charismatic seemed more spiritual, and this side seemed so. This the spiritual end seemed really joyful, and the other side not so joyful. And um, when I joined a Sovereign Grace Church. I think for the first time in my life, maybe I experienced both. 
mm. where it was it was joy that was being fueled by the gospel. And it wasn't just we weren't just talking about song, obviously, you know, it, it was in all of life. Yeah. And so you watch people going through good things and they were quick to want to draw all attention to the Lord and to do that in song and in speech with great gratitude. And the same would be true when they go through tough times and people were going through hard times. They were still fueled by the Lord is good. He's kind. He's gracious. He's with me. He's sovereign in all things, including this. I, I'm going to embrace the thorn as much as I'm going to embrace the rose. Yeah. And it was powerful. It was powerful. And so I was immersed amongst people, even more so when I think I moved to America for a time, immersed amongst people that, oh my goodness, joyful would be a major category. And it was infectious. You could not be around these people and not minimally come away thinking they got something. There's something going <laughs> something on. I don't have. There is something going on. There is some, And there is something going on with them all the time. And you quickly discovered it was the gospel. They were amazed by the personal work of Jesus Christ, truly amazed in good times and bad times. And joy was the fruit. And and you, it was infectious and you wanted to be around it and you wanted to be like them. Yeah. And that was, that's been my experience too. When I first went to the church that you were pastoring, we were coming from a church we loved, but it was, it was hard at times because there wasn't a lot of uh, joy that, that kind of deep rooted gut-wrenching like I can't believe I was saved and when we came in and met you guys that was like water um, you know to a Mm. thirsty soul then when I went to pastors college in the U.S. one of the things that struck me about CJ Mahaney a lot of the pastors there was they they were just happy pastors happy pastors you know and not like oh everything's going great because when I was there things were not going great things were terrible but they were happy yeah and there's the and they he taught us Fellas, boys, you ought to be happy pastors. You, you should be a joyful leader. And it wasn't because you should just like, oh, count your blessings and, you know, people have it worse in Africa. So, whoa, you should be joyful. It was a real sense of, no, because of who Christ is, what he's done, who you are in your sin and what he's done to you, man, there is ample cause for joy. So why don't we pause there? That's kind of our experience. What then is joy? If it's mm. not if it's not just effervescent happiness, mm. if you can be joyful in the midst of suffering and pain and thorns, if Jesus, you know, for the joy set before him endured the cross, what what's joy? How would you define it? Yeah, well, the best I've got on that is is not so much Dave Taylor as I think I think we stayed at the start of these podcast <laughs> series. We are walking quotes. Um, Piper he says Christian joy is a deep seated feeling of the soul, which is produced by the Holy Spirit. As we behold the beauty of Jesus Christ. Say that again. It's just... Christian joy is a deep-seated feeling of the soul. So it's a feeling. Mm. We have to understand we're not talking about some type of conviction or decision of I am joyful. No, it's something you feel, something mm. you experience. And so your body may feel the effects of joy. You may have butterflies or in your stomach or a spring in your step or tears of joy. But actually, nonetheless, it's beneath all that. It's an emotion. Yeah. So Christian joy is a deep-seated feeling of the soul, which is produced by the Holy Spirit, which is true. We can't muster this up, right? Mm. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Paul tells us, Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. So Christian joy is a deep-seated feeling of the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as we behold the beauty 
of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't just flip a switch and then have us feel something. It's not like a drug you can just inject. Exactly, yeah. It's not not a pill you can take and suddenly, oh, I feel joyful. In God's kindness, what the Holy Spirit does is he opens the eyes of our heart Mm. to behold the beauty of Jesus Christ. He opens the, the eyes of our heart. You know, Jesus himself says, he, meaning the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You know, I think J.R. Packard talks about how the Holy Spirit's a floodlight. It's like we're going along our path at different times and all of a sudden, boom, a floodlight comes on and the effect is we see Jesus for all he really is. I think sometimes we experience that in song. Sometimes we experience that um, when we're in the Word. Sometimes we experience that prayer. Sometimes we experience that when we're chatting to friends, Christian believers. And they say something and you're like, man, I, I just entertained an angel unawares there. there was, they said something where I knew God was speaking in a way that just made Christ glorious to me. And so the fruit of all that it is a feeling. As we behold the beauty of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gets to work, shines a light on the reality of Christ. And lo and behold, what do we feel? Joy. We feel joy. I can imagine um, people being really a little bit cautious about that term feeling, yeah. you know, that yeah. it's a feeling. Mm. But I think what we've what we got to be careful of is being too dictated by our fears of or reacting to what the excesses we've seen yeah. um, and actually being biblical. Because if you yeah. come back and you read, say, the, the book of Psalms, you can't escape the commands to feel, right? You know, right. Psalm 33.1, shout for joy in the Lord, mm. O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. You know, like shouting, you have to, something yep. has to be really pent up within you for you to want to shout. We only shout when we're watching our team score a try or a goal. We shout, you know, when things are going great. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that you can't shout unemotionally or unfeeling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, work. You have yeah. to, something has to be in you coming out. Yeah. And we command it in scripture. Absolutely. Um, or, you know, Psalm 97, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Yeah. We're commanded in scripture to not just serve the Lord, duty, we come to church, we do our things, but to do it with gladness yeah and gladness is a feeling it's an emotion it, it yeah. looks like something it looks like a smile <laughs> it yeah. looks like cheerfulness yeah uh, and it's not that's not just reserved for when things are going well um, because the apostle paul says rejoice in the lord always yes again i will say rejoice and in one thessalonians it says uh, rejoice always give thanks in all circumstances yeah, so joy you're right it, it, it is like mr piper said um, a deep-seated feeling. It has to be a feeling. If there's no feeling, it's it's not joy. Yeah. Produced by the Holy Spirit. Didn't yep. get there just because you're having no, a good not day. Not a nice person. No. And as we behold the beauty of Jesus Christ, right. it comes in response to revelation. Yes. Joy outside of you know responding to what Christ has done is probably not true joy, and that's where we find the the great motivation for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, there's there's no doubt that when you when you study the Bible from, from everything I can see, that true worship and true praise is not just some cold regurgitation of words. It's a heart. Mm. It, it's not just head. It's heart that's engaged, that is in love and wanting to talk. 
you know, that is praised by very, it's exactly right. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know, you, you sometimes joke about, you know, how your singing is terrible. Well, that's encouraging. Make a joyful noise. You just got to make a noise. Yes. <laughs> Let him be happy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. It, it's clear that he doesn't just want us, well, make a noise and serve. Hmm. No, it's make a joyful noise and serve the Lord with gladness. He doesn't just want our heads. He wants our hearts. And you think about that all the way through life. I mean, if I, I, I have a beautiful wife, married to her for 21 years, very blessed that I get to be her husband. Imagine if I brought flowers home and I pass them to dear Emma and I say, oh, these are for you. And she says, oh, why did you bring them? It's like, well, I'm your husband and I've been married 21 years, so I should. <laughs> it's my duty. It, it does not <laughs> much of an effect but if i say well darling i i give them to you because i love you and they make mm. you smile now it's meaningful because you know she has my heart it's something that c.s lewis picks up a lot in, yes. in the reflections of the psalms this is what he says i think this is brilliant i heard bob coughlin talk about this many years ago it really affected me he says the most obvious fact about praise whether of god or anything else strangely escaped me i thought of it in terms of compliment approval or the giving of honor I had never noticed before that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless, sometimes even if, shyness or the fear of others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world, this is so good, the world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favourite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favourite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges... Countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rest stamps, red beetles, mm. even sometimes politicians or scholars. I think that one dates it just a touch. Yes. I'm not sure not here in Australia. 2021. <laughs> no. And then he says this, I had not noticed that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge others to do the same in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are simply doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. Yeah. Isn't that good? You know, you don't go to a, a soccer match and then somebody scores. No one comes on the tunnel at that point and says, hey, guys, they've just scored. If we could clap here, that would be really good. You don't need to do it. You know, the, the goal has brought you joy. What happens? You immediately, unless you check it, you immediately erupt with praise mm. because something's just brought you joy. Now, I think what's important then for, for a Christian, but I think particularly for a pastor, but I think for all Christian, if we are not most joyful yes. about the gospel and Jesus, but people are seeing us more excited about a soccer match or a rugby match or our kids or fill in the blank, there's something going wrong. Mm. There's something missing somewhere. So when the Bible calls us to let those who lead, lead with zeal, I think the, the image you're getting is this man who is obsessed with Jesus, who so loves Jesus, is infectious with joy because he just can't help himself, want to talk and praise the name of Jesus Christ. I think that's beautiful. I've seen that over my life for, for many years and watching people both in good times and bad mm. times. It has a profound effect on your soul when somebody loves Jesus and they cannot help but want to talk about him and sing about him. It's yeah, infectious. and because there's something um, really quite disrespectful and dishonouring to the Lord if you're not joyful. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not ju- it's not neutral. It's like, oh well, there's joyful people, and then there's me. I'm quite a reserved person. I don't have any emotions. Right. Yeah. So you're actually, in a sense, dishonoring the Lord because of how beautiful and grand and majestic He yeah. is. Especially if your joy gets peaked on other things. Yeah. You know, it's really wrong. There's a friend I have who does not ever compliment his wife or enjoy his wife, but the football, he loves the football. He knows every player, every team, how they go. His attention and focus is on the football and his beautiful wife is in the next room and you just think, oh no, you know, he's missing it. Yeah. But we can be like that. We, we, We can be all excited, even as church leaders, about what God is doing in the church and, and all these things we get to do and actually miss him, miss the, the giver, and it, it dishonors yeah. him. And yeah. so it could be a good question yeah. to ask yourself, and it's a good question you know, to ponder is, am I a joyful person? Yeah. Or even more, am I a joyful pastor, a joyful leader? Mm. Would people say that's one of the traits of who I am? Because it, it's not it's not an optional part. Um, it's possible right. to serve the Lord in vanity. You know, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know, when they tithe and, and all this, he says, you worship me in vain um, because they don't love him. Yeah, the hearts are from uh, So it's, yep. it's actually really it's dangerous to serve and serve and serve with no joy. It's an indicator of something is wrong in your soul and therefore it ought to be addressed. It ought to be looked after. So if you're a, you're a church leader, you're someone who's involved in ministry, and you're you to be honest with yourself, you're not joyful. Um, you need to look out into that. You need to do some diagnosis there. You need to go get some soul care. Figure out what what's gone amiss. So how day would you kind of pastor a pastor, or how would you help mm. cultivate joy in someone who's who's actually going? You know what? I want to be that person. Um, I want to grow because if to go back to the sport analogy you know when you're at the sport and the crowd is all cheering it is a lot easier to jump on and lift your voice and cheer but if the stadium's silent and you're the only one cheering it can feel a little bit awkward so we do need people to come alongside us and cheer (laughs) with us yeah that would be an awkward moment so how would you get alongside someone and like cheer them on and, and lead them as a how would you be a cheerleader? Yeah, look, I, I think one thing I'd want to be want to say to our, to our listeners to start off with is there there has definitely been times in my life where I have not been joyful. Yes, you know that there have just been times, seasons, usually not like extended times, but seasons or or days or moments where you're like, yeah, that was not joyful. And often when I retrace that back for myself, I've usually lost sight of the cross lost sight of the gospel and what Jesus has done. And somewhere along the line started to feel entitled, entitled for more. You know, if I'm busy serving Jesus, then surely I can have this or I can do this or this could go well for me. And And it really can cause a bit of a downward spiral, really unhelpful. But when you do what that quote says by Piper, when you're beholding the beauty of Jesus Christ... It starts to change. You don't feel entitled when you're standing by the cross. <laughs> you know, when you are you standing, do. staring at the cross. Yeah, if you feel if you feel entitled there, there's something going massively amiss. When you're standing, gazing at the cross, and you're aware, you did that for me. Mm. You did that in my place. That's what I deserved. The whole your perspective begins to change. And so, if I was coming alongside somebody that really lacked joy. 
I, in a nutshell, I would be encouraging them to do all they can to give their life, and I mean extended portions of their time, mm. to gazing at Jesus Christ and what he's done in your place. Do all you can to stay near the gospel. I think you can do that in many ways. I think you can behold the beauty of Christ in his word. You know, I think understanding that every page whispers his name, find Christ here. And where is Jesus? Every text, every passage ultimately either points forward to him, right at him, or back to him, or yeah. his return, find him. It's I like John Stott's quote of, um, you know, we ought to position ourselves at the foot of the cross, that yes. the sparks of the cross yes. might fall on us again and enliven our lives. And, That's right. And when we're in the Word and reading it like that, and looking for Jesus, be like, oh, the sparks of the cross are falling again. And you're like, I yeah. can sense you are here, Lord. I can sense your greatness. I think definitely. I think another thing we could do is, is songs, good gospel-centered songs. It's one of the things I've always been blessed personally for by Sovereign Grace Music in that regard. Um, it may not be everybody's taste, which is fine, <laughs> but I think one of the things that I've always, always really enjoyed about Sovereign Grace Music is the words are just so good. Yeah. And I think in, in latter years in particular, I've really enjoyed the production and everything about it. I've really enjoyed the songs. And songs, they, songs when we sing, it has the ability to get words stuck in our head. Mm. You know, so we, we have a choice to make. I mean, I grew up on like Delirious. I'm older than you. And so Delirious, and you know, I want to be a history maker in this place. And it's yeah. a song that's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And they were my, like my verses of the day. They were the songs that got stuck in my head. But gospel-centered songs, you're not singing about you, you're singing about him, what he has done. Mm. That that changes everything. You're just positioning yourself to be reminded of the gospel. Or when you sing about yourself, it's about you as a sinner, which leads you back to the gospel. Quite, yeah, who you know, I really am and like what he's done. The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. Yes. The, the agonies of Calvary. Yes. You're talking about... Once an enemy, now seated at your table. I mean, that what a vivid picture. Yeah. They're the songs that I want running through my head and I'd encourage others to do the same. I think as well, I think we, we need to do all we can to behold the beauty of Christ in our stories. Mm. You know, I think we, we're kind of taught, I think in our Christianity, but I also think in our worldliness is like where we've done things in our past, forget about it, let's move on. Whereas I actually think there's power in remembering. Mm. <laughs> remember who you were. Yeah. You know, remember your calling. You were dead. And remember the reality of who you are. And then the more you meditate on that and then you remind yourself theologically where Jesus stepped in and what that meant and what he did and what that now means. It has a humbling and joy-filling um, effect without a doubt. And I think just regularly remembering our testimony and reviewing it, telling it, rehearsing it as much as we can. You know, I think sometimes as Christians we spend so long um, listening to ourselves rather than talking to yeah. ourselves. And I think where we listen to ourselves more often than not, we find ourselves like the Israelites grumbling. When we start telling ourselves the gospel, we stand in awe That's of what great. the Lord has done. It's a very different experience. Then we can also behold the beauty of Christ in the world. You know, that famous quote, I used to have it outside my front door. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around in a while, once in a while, you could miss it. You know, it's so true. And I think just to think about your life on this premise... I deserve to be far away from the Lord, yeah. an object of his wrath and destined for hell. That was my life. That's where I was running. Well, let's start now from there with everything you have. It's all grace. It's all a <laughs> you gift. Just it's, cannot, yeah. You cannot stay silent after that type of experience when you realize I am 
the richest man in the world. I have 10,000 reasons to praise each and every day of my life. Um, life really is genuinely better than I deserve because I deserve that. Mm. This is by actually my experience. It, 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 it's ridiculous. And I think when we, when we slow down enough to see it, we'll see the beauty of Christ in our own stories. We'll see him in nature. We'll see him in all the good gifts that yeah. we have. And we'll stop feeling entitled, but instead just stand in awe of what the Lord has done. And so I think that that whole premise of if we are going to find joy being our experience, it's going to be produced by the Holy Spirit, but it's going to come as we behold the beauty of Christ. And so what are we doing in our mm. lives daily to behold the beauty of Christ? And I think that that will that will bring the good fruit for us. Yes, and perhaps more doing that, people will look at us and go, oh, you are a joyful person. Right. And the fruit of it will probably be gratitude flowing from our lips. Praise. Yeah. Thank, oh, thank God. Praise the Lord. Like, I can't believe yeah. that those amazing grace, those kind of things, they're the fruits of joy um, because they're the fruits of the gospel. It's so, so true. I think if we are reflecting on the Lord, somebody should be able to bump, bump us and what comes out of us is joy. Mm rather than what comes out of us is grumbling yes. or complaint. If we're called to serve the Lord with gladness, we have to cultivate that gladness. And if the complaining is being bumped out like it has been for me the past couple of days, it's an opportunity to go, hmm, there's some symptoms here. Something's wrong. And I need to, just based on what you're saying, I'm like, I need to go back and have a think. What's going on in my heart? Why am I so grumpy at home lately right and right. letting the what gets bumped out be a symptom for like okay now i need to check my soul and why am i lacking joy yeah and i get that i mean it, i went camping earlier the year in january went twice i think it might be the last camping trips we ever go on but that's another story but nonetheless <laughs> you know what it what it revealed because i was grumpy for several of the moments and angry at different times to the point where i had to go back to my kids and my family and ask for their forgiveness mm. it was unhelpful but well, I think what lay at part of the center of it was that sense of, hey, I deserve this, guys. Just give me a break. Mm. It's been a long year. Led the church through COVID. It's been hard. Come on now. It's, it's dad's time. It's me time. Mm. And what you feel in that is entitlement. Mm. Rather than just thinking, hey, what a privilege I get to go away with my family and go camping and, and see nature and serve and be with them. But I was not prepared. Well, I, I did a really poor job of preparing my heart for that at all. Yeah. Hadn't even engaged my brain on it. And so what comes out is grumbling and complaining, um, which I regret. But what I'm saying that because I want you to know, hey, this is this is like a daily battle, I think, yes. for us as, as believers. Leaky buckets. We have leaky buckets when it comes yeah. to this, that's for sure. I think this is I think we will constantly have a tendency and temptation towards complaint. Whereas we need to have a, a tendency and temptation towards joy, which comes through gazing at the cross. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Dave. And it's been great to chat today about this characteristic of a gospel-centered leader, being joyful. And we hope to bless you and we'll see you next time.